0: The SaaS Universe podcast is brought to you by Efficient Capital Labs. Realize your future revenue today. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the SaaS Universe podcast. Today, Joseph Abraham, founder and CEO of Startup Atom, has a virtual sit-down with Anand Jain, the co-founder and CPO at Clevertap. We hope you enjoy the episode. Hi, Anand. Thank you so much for taking the time and joining us on our show. Uh, I mean, it was really nice to know you, get to know you uh, as we just chatted right now and right before this podcast. Um, I, I get to see a different Anand altogether, right? I mean, um, uh, a multifaceted Anand who has been, you know, hustling through his life, you know, right from his childhood and doing different things. Um, really nice to know. I'm going to go and get to know you a little more better a little later. But Right in the beginning, I want to introduce Clevertap, and Anand, of course, is the, the founder CEO of Clevertap. And um, Anand, if you can just quickly let all our viewers and listeners know about you know, what does Clevertap do, what is this product all about, and who does it help?
1: Thank you for having me on the show. I do appreciate it. Uh, uh, talking about Clevertap, so Clevertap is a, a retention cloud. Well, what it does help brands, digital brands do is uh, uh, gain insights on their own users, uh, segment users based on uh, user profiles, user persona, and then send out communication to them or engage them with personalized content uh, and personalized messaging. We built this platform from the ground up uh, and we work with some of the most popular brands uh, globally which uh, are digital in nature so that's what CleverTap does
0: awesome and how did you know that CleverTap is going to work so how did you how did you actually like come up with this idea and where did it, where did it originate
1: uh, so we are three founders and believe it or not none of us are from the marketing background uh, we are we have all engineers and uh, for those of you who can't see us we are, uh, we are we have gray hair on our head a lot of it so we are not first time, uh, you know, like we're not out of college uh, trying to build something very cool. Uh, but what the experience uh, does is it it tells you the areas uh, that you need to invest in. Uh, the idea for Clevertap came when we figured that uh, most of the brands, like no marketer wakes up on a Monday morning saying that I'm going to spam my users, right? I'm going to send them a message that's completely irrelevant at the wrong time on the wrong device, you know, which is not meant for them. Uh, Everyone tries to do their best, but the reason they struggle sending the right message to the right person is because they don't know the person enough, and they don't know the person enough. It's not they don't have the data on the users, first-party data, right? They don't have. They have a lot of data. The data source is not connected to their messaging, uh, you know, product. And in most of the cases, this data is gated by IT or it resides in multiple products. So if you look at a typical marketing growth stack. There are multiple products that a brand uses, right? There is email product to send emails, there is A-B testing, there are web analytics, there are mobile analytics, there is notification. Uh, there is CDP uh, and, and multiple other products. Now, each product has a silo of the data. Uh, uh, you know, uh, they, they, they maintain data and reports only for their aspect of the product, which makes it impossible for you as a brand marketer to stitch the story together uh it makes reporting impossible and it makes personalization even more uh you know harder like it's it's literally i don't know what's more impossible than impossible but you know it's like much much harder right? exponentially harder uh with clever tab like you asked me like you know how did you start uh clever tab we realized this was a problem so we started solving it at a data layer so for the first 30 months of our life we were busy building the technology layer of CleverTab, which is a database that we invented um, and we have filed some patents on it. It's called Tesseract DB. Uh, It's uh, it's homegrown and what it lets you do is store granular amounts of data on the user, on your, your own users that access your digital properties. You can use this data for insights, for segmentation, personalization, messaging, product recommendations and a lot more. And we built the entire product around this. So that was the idea for Clevertap, you know, like, hey, we need to solve the data layer first so that there is a common data layer, single source of truth across all your users. So literally that was the starting point. We did not, uh, you know, start with a a market research or a a TAM or a competitor we wanted to disrupt. Uh, We were super naive, like, you know, we said, hey, you know what, Uh, we are engineers. What do engineers do? They solve problems, hard problems first. So let's get busy solving the data problem. The rest of the product can follow after that.
0: Nice, really nice. So when did you actually uh, realize this was a problem? So was it like during your stint in Motorola or was it later like with uh, with News18 and other places that I've seen you being part of, right? So the Network18. So where was this, the moment of epiphany that, hey, this is a real problem. We got to solve this. Yeah.
1: So in Network18, we saw that they were running multiple uh, digital properties. Uh, for example, news websites, cricket score, um, uh, eating out, uh, restaurant re- reviews and recommendation, yellow pages. So this was a bunch of digital property. In, in fact, even um, uh, stock, uh, stock news and stock quotes, etc. Uh, the problem was, was that uh, when they were sending a message out to users, when they were talking to their users, uh, and I use the word talk very loosely, right? Like when you're when you're when you're sending a message, when you really we really want to send a, a deeply personalized message, right, to the users. Uh, they were struggling to do that, like uh, because of the reasons I mentioned, uh, uh, you know, earlier, which is that the data were residing in silos in multiple, uh, multiple par- products. Uh, for example, if they wanted to send a message out to users uh, who held a certain stock and that stock crashed, they would not be able to do that. They would send that same message to everyone else also that did not have that stock in their portfolio. Now it seems very commonsensical, right? But I'm talking about uh, you know nine years ago, uh, or you would you would like not be able to send a user onboarding message only to people who have been struggling to onboard not to people who are in the middle of the onboarding process because maybe you just let them be and they will onboard themselves Uh, and the root problem the root cause of the problem was no access to data limited uh, amount of data that you have on the users but also the actionability of the data the data was meant not meant for action it was meant as a static store like it was meant for reporting it was meant for a weekly review whereas the world was moving uh, online very very quickly what we noticed was that the phone or the mobile is going to solve more and more use cases right like uh, right now food delivery is online watching movies is online uh, cab hailing is online everyone's gone on everyone's like immediate like you know you, you press a couple of buttons on your phone you can rent a movie, you can, you know, hail a cab, you can order food, you can date, you know, you can do multiple things, right? You can make payments to a friend, right? You can pay them. Uh, and the technologies that we were using back then were not built for this kind of a real-time use case. They were built for, like I said, like in you know, a non-real-time reporting, etc. Uh, and when we looked around, we couldn't find anything that, was, that would let you action the data in real-time. And that literally was the starting point. That was the epiphany moment for us where we said that we will build this. There's nothing out there. And let us solve this problem first. And the rest of the product can follow post that.
0: Awesome. Really awesome. So now to the next big questions to how did you onboard your first few users? Right. So earlier up is how did you get them excited and how did you you attract and acquire them?
1: Yeah, no, great question. Uh, you know, as you can imagine, it's very awkward for three engineers to go find customers.
0: True. <laughs> and,
1: and that was literally our case too. Like, you know, we were busy building, uh, you know, the core technology of clevertap And then we built a dashboard of sorts, like, you know, to let you kind of uh, visualize the data, take action on it. Uh, you know, send, send uh, communication to users uh, based on the insights that you are seeing. Now, but we got lucky there, Like, right? You know, so uh, Ashish Hemrajani, who is the founder of BookMyShow. Uh, is also a very good friend and believe it or not coincidentally he actually called me for a problem he was facing he said that hey uh, you know we are sending the same message same emailer to people uh, whether they watch a movie every week uh, or they watch one movie every three months it's the same email that goes out which is like hey these are the new movies that are coming out in the multiplexes and it includes every movie right it includes the hindi movies english movies marathi so it includes regional movies uh english hindi everything because hey we've got this one newsletter and we have to jam everything in there and we have to send it and uh it was funny because i said ashish hold on like you know uh, and and what do you want to do with it like you know how do you intend to solve this and he said i'm kicking off an engineering project in-house and uh you know we'll, we'll, we'll solve it and i wanted your advice on how to solve it i said wait a minute uh, for the past 30 months i've been building something very cool uh and I wanted to show it to you. I want to, you know, maybe we'll do a whiteboarding exercise first on what it is. And then I'll show you the product. And so I took an auto rickshaw. I went to his office. Uh, so I'm in Mumbai right now. Those who are listening, I'm still, I mean, those days I was still in Mumbai. And so he booked my show. So I took an auto rickshaw from Andheri to Juhu. Uh, and I met Ashish and I said, you know what? I, uh, you know, it's a startup that I've, uh, you know, I've started up a few days ago, uh, uh, like a few months ago. And this is what it does, right? There is one source of data, it collects everything. And this data, depending upon who you want to target. So for example, if people who only watch like a movie every few months, like, you know, maybe the newsletter every week is not important. Or people who only watch English movies, you can send them uh, that email uh, to those people, right? Uh, college goers, maybe you can send them afternoon shows, like, you know, hey, bunk college and, and not yeah. my advice, but you know, <laughs> yeah. that was a use case I present, like college yeah, goers, you do bunk absolutely. college. Yeah. Education is important, but you, know, you yeah. can do that. Uh, and he said bingo sign me up uh, so that literally was our first customer there was no conversation of pricing or cost or you know how are you going to do it uh, i think he he was super excited that there is a product today in the market that could solve this problem and that became the first thing uh, first installation for CleverTab, where we said you know what put this on your website and we'll start observing the data before you can start sending the emails out and literally in a few months they were actually using a sent to it
0: Wow. So um, does your product also does, uh, do data enrichment? So there's, of, of course, event-based data. Then there's also enrichment and then you can take all of that and then personalize. So does your product also do that?
1: Yeah. So let me qualify what I think enrichment is and uh, okay. you know, what we actually awesome. do. Good. Right?
0: Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> yeah.
1: So uh, for us, we believe, we philosophically believe that you can actually serve your users very well if you only have first-party data on them. For example, if, if there's a restaurant that you go very often to, uh, these servers know you, the the manager, restaurant manager knows you, and they kind of know what your allergies are, what your spice levels are, whether you like to have alcohol with your meal or not, you know, what kind of person you are. Like, do you order lavishly? Do you like, you know, only order what you really want to eat? They know you. Now, how do they triangulate that? They triangulate it from your previous visits. Like, you know, everything that you've done with them, they learn from that. Now, they don't have big data. They don't have all these cool technologies, but it's there in their brains uh and this happens to us every single day right like the the salon where we go to get our cut, uh to people that we know like you know they kind of know our behavior etc right first party there is no triangulation from any other source uh, my restaurant does not go uh, to my bank to find out like you know hey how much money does Anand have so we can <laughs> we can charge him more for the you know for food uh, so that's what that is one of the philosophies on which we base the product Uh, From a tech perspective, like, you know, I mean, I've been in in the industry for long enough on the tech industry, about 30 years, to know that the third party cookies were going to go away someday. Now, you can learn a lot from first party data. And to me, enrichment of the data means ability to predict, ability to take parts of what you've just told us. Like, for example, if you're browsing uh, T-shirts online, like, you know, just by knowing the brands that you often go to, uh, the the size of the shirt the colors that you browse i can maybe recommend better products in that category for you right if you're a fashion forward person maybe the messaging could be around like you know hey here is new uh, a new uh, drop from nike like you might be interested in if you're the discount person like you know who buys end of season sale maybe end of the season when the discounts are the most that's when we can message you so the the messaging becomes personalized and that is the enrichment that we do like you know we make sure that we are serving you well with what data do you give us uh, we don't enrich it from any other source uh, outside of what the brand uh, gives the data to
0: us. Awesome. Awesome. Great. I think it, it gives a good perspective. So very quick uh, question is, OK, you, you found this idea. This idea was good. This opportunity is big. You also found you know somebody got excited. Uh, I want to know how did you meet your co-founders and how did you all come together and build a team together? So how did you build your early team and how did you meet your co-founders?
1: well it's a fun story so uh, i'll narrate it in detail uh, i moved back from the us in 2006 uh, to start a b2c company called burp and burp was all about restaurant reviews and recommendations and, uh, it was way before uh, the flipcards and the zomatos of the world so literally we were the first wave if you will uh, of uh, consumer businesses in india and in the early days it was very hard to find uh, you know good engineers it was also very hard to find uh, you no, uh, uh you i had no idea about monetization models etc it was very hard to find venture capital also so i ran this for 3 years along with my co-founder then and in 2009 we exited uh, the business to uh, network18 uh, and in network18 uh, uh, i you know i inherited a team i became the cto there and uh, and funnily as I was, as i was recruiting people uh, i met my first co-founder Uh, Sunil, who had just also come back to India in 2009 uh, from the US. And, uh, you know, he wanted to kind of, you know, just give his kids a flavor of India. Uh, He met the CEO of Network 18, who said, hey, there is a, you know, you are from Infospace uh, there, and there is a local, uh, uh, you know, team here, like a a team that runs a local business for Infomedia Network 18. So you should meet them. And that's how I met Sunil. Uh, Suresh was, uh, you know, who's my third co-founder. I met uh, because he applied for a job uh, in uh, Network 18, saying that, hey, I'm an engineer uh, from IT Madras and I want to kind of come, uh, you know, work for some hot startup, et cetera. So that's how I met. I did not know that these people will become my co-founders, but we had a very good working relationship with each other. We respected each other for what everyone brought to the table. Uh, so when we started Clevertap, like I actually went up to Sunil and I said, uh, so from a reporting perspective, Suresh reported into me and I reported it into Sunil um so you know as big corporate boring jobs go i went to sunil i said you know what, Sunil, i'm done with this place Uh, i do not know what i will end up doing next there are a few good problem statements including this one that we talk about personalization uh, user behavior uh, but um, it's impossible to solve it in this place so maybe i'm thinking of that idea Uh, and an advice for you is to also tag along with me and maybe since we work so very well together uh, we can start up something together and we said, well, you know, the third guy Suresh, uh, he's a phenomenal engineer too. So let's take him along. So that's how the three of us quit our jobs with nothing, no savings, literally. And uh, literally nothing in the, you know, like um, no hope or getting funding because we are three engineers. We have never done this kind of a, a VC backed business. We are not from the industry, et cetera. We set out uh, to start uh clever tap. So that's how the three guys met. Now, after the first round of funding uh, from uh, um, Axel. Uh, so Axel gave us a seed round of $1.6 million. Uh, and after that, I actually called up a few engineers who had left Infomedia 18 or Network 18 at that point of time. Uh, again, great working relationship. Some people I respect a lot. And I called them like, hey, where in life are you? Like, you know, hey, we have just got funded. Like, you know, it's a cool thing. Uh, at least we have one more investment, one, one other person apart from the three guys who's convinced that we could be onto something, uh, which is our investor. Uh, they're Axel, they're big, uh, and you should join our journey. So I would say uh, five phone calls and five people showed up uh, the next week itself. So that became my founding team. Uh, and that we kind of solved the problem of, uh, you know, like alignment, early found, early engineering team, et cetera, uh, through that, because we had worked with these people before and they're still a lo- they're still with us.
0: Wow. So you, you had, like, culture fit at day zero, like... I mean, we were very lucky, three, like, incredibly yeah. lucky, I would say. Yes. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Great. So, I mean, you didn't mention about funding and all of that. So, uh, of course, you 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 actually, like, uh, went about, found a problem, built a team, solved it. Now, the, cha- the challenge would be to scale, right, and hit the traction, right? So how did you go about, you know, um, meeting... You know, investors, what is your cap table like? I mean, engineers, how did you build your cap table? So you don't have to get to specifics of what your cap table look like. Uh, but like, how did you generally go about Because it's, it's it's a whole different world altogether for you.
1: It is, it is. And it's a world that we had not navigated before, right? My previous startup work, like I said, uh, was very early. Um, you know, um, and we could never raise funding in that business. We met a lot of investors, but, uh, you know, everything came to a knot. No one invested in the business. And so if if... If someone said, like, hey, Anand, how do you raise money from venture capital? How, what is it, how much money do you raise? I have absolutely no idea. So uh, we had a few misadventures, like, you know, with some, uh, like, uh, some VCs, uh, I'll skip their name, uh, who said, hey, give me a five-year cash flow projection. And we're like, what five-year cash flow? <laughs> like, what are you right. talking about? Like, you don't, like, no one knows what five years is going to look like in startup land. And uh, we might not even be around, like, you know, so you can take your cash back if we if have left anything in the bank. Um, but we got incredibly lucky also, right? So uh, like, like I said, like, you know, we were building this cool uh, technology, we were actually inventing the technology, we now have a uh, few patents we have filed on the core technology, and we are in generation three of the technology, but that back then, uh, we were introduced to Accel, uh through a mutual uh, acquaintance. And immediately they took a liking to us because you know they had not heard of any startup in India kind of inventing technology. They said, "Why would you need, uh, you know, why don't you, why don't you take something off the shelf and uh, build and you know build on top of the product, do an MVP, go sell to the market, etc." Uh, but we could convince them, and uh, and kudos for them to understand like you know what we were building uh, because you don't get funding you know in a in a pre-product company, right? So that was Series Seed for us. Uh, the following year, actually, the word spread that we are building something very cool. We got uh, a Sequoia to come in, Sequoia, India. And they invested $8 million in Series A uh, in CleverTap. Uh, and that's when we expanded the team a bit. That's when I said, like, you know, we had almost, the product was almost ready. We had still not launched. We went out uh, to market. And I'll talk about that in a bit. Uh, uh, and so we, we 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 got phenomenal success, like, you know, not only with Book My Show, but also a few other customers. Uh, some names I'm allowed to say, some I cannot, but uh, think of uh, year one customers as urban company, uh, Zomato, Practo, these become my year one customers. Uh, We ended that year with $1.6 million of revenue of ARR, uh, which was incredible for like first time uh, SaaS founders, Uh, right? Uh, In 2019, uh, so then we went quiet on the funding uh, front. We were very conservative in our spending. Um, We actually bucked a few trends, right? We wanted to, uh, like we were in in Mumbai, right? Of all places. And uh, we said, you know what? So uh, the conventional advice was to go, uh, you know, uh, build in India, sell to the West. And we said, but Indian consumer companies must be buying some product, right? Why is it not ours? Uh, So we will not only build in India, but we'll sell in India too. Like, you know, Hey, not a bad starting point. So we started selling in India, and that's how we got some of the names. Uh, today, we are market leaders in this uh, in this country, uh, including Southeast Asia and the Middle East, um, and rapidly expanding the globe over. But in 2019 is uh, when we raised our two more rounds of funding, Series uh, B and Series C. Back to back rounds, literally done four months apart. And we added uh, Tiger Global to our capital as well. So uh, today we have uh, Sequoia, Axel and Tiger Global uh, as our investors. Um, And we've not raised since then, 2019 onwards. Like I said, we've been super conservative in our spends. And frankly, a lot of the um, spends have been fueled by customer revenue, which is the best way to kind of, you know, uh, earn and spend money.
0: Um, Absolutely, absolutely. Great. So, I mean, uh, you've been helping me a lot in this whole, um, you know, quick chat that we are having. So you're giving me questions like beforehand, like I'm going to go talk about how we got our early customers. So I just want to like, um, ask you one or two like you know good stories of your early customers I, I, I mean for me Book My Show is into my memory right now so a, any any story that stands out for you
1: uh, I'll tell you a fun story um, and this is uh, this is about Book My Show uh, I hope they're not listening but uh, let's see. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> if, they are, if they are it's too late uh, <laughs> so in the early days when we had piloting our product with them we actually forgot to write the persister now what is a persister that takes the data in memory and writes it to the hard drive just to take a backup. And, you know, they took a liking to the product in the early days and, you know, it was three months and every day we were worried because they were sending more and more data into Clevertap and we did not have a way to restart the machine. The moment we would restart, it would lose all the data in the, in the memory. And we thought of multiple tech solutions, but nothing came close to actually being implemented. Uh, since we are all three engineers, we came up with multiple solutions, right? hey, let's do this. Let's do that. Like, you know, let's take a dump of memory into hard drive and decipher it and whatever. Uh, And we said, well, this is the, you know, this is one of the first few. And then if we don't, like, if the data goes away, three months worth of data goes away, well, we are out of business for sure. So with a lot of fear, we actually went uh, to meet them and just to tell them that, hey, you know what? Um, We are going to do a little maintenance on the server and then that will... You know, get three months of data is not going to be there anymore, and we'll start afresh. So, Sunil and I uh, went to meet Book My Show. So, this was like one of the uh, uh, senior vice presidents in Book My Show who actually loved the product. He, every day he would like load up graphs and he would start, you know, like he would he'd be very happy with us. Like, you know, so we had to go tell him the news. Uh, and we said, you know what, hey, um, the three months worth of data, like, you know, we are going to wipe it clean and we are going to start afresh because we are doing some maintenance on the server. And it was funny because he said, yeah, no problem. Uh, will I see something better from now on? We said, yeah, absolutely. We are rolling out more features as well. So, and we promised never to have this, uh, you know, like uh, this situation ever again. So, what turned in our own heads, it was like a big a hill to climb became a very easy thing when in front of the customer. And this is, I would not say it's a funny incident, but it was one of the most curious things because... Uh, In the early days, so yeah, thankfully they took a very lenient approach on that, let us go. Uh, So that's one thing that comes into mind. Uh, There is one other customer who thought that, uh, who called up from Delhi and said, hey, so, you know, we want to see you guys in the office. Uh, uh, So uh, you show up in the evening and I said, no, hang on. Uh, I actually cannot show up in the evening. Like, you know, you have to give me like at least three days notice in advance. And they're like, why would you, why would, why would we give you a three-day notice? Uh, you know, we want, and this was a prospect, not a customer. Uh, we want to meet you immediately. And I said, well, uh, you know what? I uh, the flights are very expensive. I'm, uh, I running a, I'm running a very small startup, and we are very frugal. So I need three days. Like last-minute flights are extremely expensive. And they're like, okay, so why would you take a flight to come to Delhi? I'm like, well, I'm in Mumbai, in Gorega. Like, oh, we thought you were in Gurgaon. but like, no, no, this is Goregaon. Okay, so it was a little funny. I mean, that's a funny thing, like right? But uh, anyway, we, we signed them up. They've been a customer since uh, 2016 with us.
0: Great. So, um like really nice stories. I mean, this it, is just like um, good good anchors for me to go back and remember. Uh, you're talking about like book my show and good that you didn't have a churn moment with them, right? With with what is happening. But but your product helps people to like become, you know, churn proof, right? So uh, a quick question on that is um, what have you seen in terms of SaaS? Uh, businesses who work with you or even businesses across, right? Uh, what helps them to retain customers and become churn-proof? I mean, things that are, are not normative, right? Things that are that you see which are very, very unique uh, in your own purview.
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, and again, we we think about this every day, right? Uh, how do you help brands retain customers for life? Uh, you can acquire users by spending money, right? You can run ads, you can lure them into using your product or downloading your app but how do you how do you get them to keep coming back? Uh, how do you form that special bond with every single user? How do you make sure that uh, they go from being, you know, like a, like a first time user to a signed up user, from a signed up user to like someone who takes up the trial. For example, if you're a music app, or if you're a streaming app, like, you know, it's very hard to get you to kind of do a fun month trial, uh, from the one month trial to becoming a customer, to a repeat customer, to a brand advocate. Like these are hard things, right? Uh, you can't solve this with money Uh, you have to solve this with data you have to solve this with deep technology which is popularly called as ai and ml Uh, you have to solve this with personalization and you have to solve this with automation Uh, and that's what that's what we do right day in day out like we help all the consumer brands across uh, you know the globe uh, become better at that like you know by forming better deeper relationship with their users so that they can retain customers for life In the early days, uh, you know, for me, when I I was pitching the product and I would go into some boardrooms, etc. People said like, you know, hey, but there will be natural churn. Like, you know, we will lose a certain percent of users every time, like, you know, every few months. And, you know, it's funny, right? Because there's a statistic which says that an average app loses 90% of its daily active users in the first 90 days. And I was not ready to accept the status quo. Like, you know, I mean, I said, why should you accept that also? That means your cost of customer acquisition goes up 10x if you're losing 90% of the users. So we have to change this. Right. And why would you not like, uh, uh, you know, use technology to solve this? Like, why would you not like, you know, why would you still live in data silos, et cetera? So I think it was hard, like, you know, to figure out the problem of, like you said, like, you know, churn, uh, it's not normal. Like, you know, people don't think of it like that. Like they don't think of it as a technology problem. They think in terms of cashbacks and, you know, better ads, et cetera. And we said, that's not true. Like, you know, you got to like treat them like human beings. You don't want to, you want to end up treating these people as rows in the database. Like, you know, like treat them, uh, don't spam them, talk meaningfully to them, give them what they came looking for and you will have a customer for life. Um, and today, like, you know, after nine years of, you know, uh, being in business, we can say that conclusively uh, that uh, you can prevent churn. By having a deeper relationship with the users, which is a, the only way to have deeper relationship is to understand them uh, better, which is through first party data on them and to serve them, use this data to serve them better.
0: Absolutely. Totally makes sense. I have a very... um like unique question since you're an engineer I'm like to ask this question which is more on the lines of we talk. you spoke about deep technologies and uh, MIAL which is very loosely used these days right but doesn't it take a long period of time to build a data lake right so because people usually use these terms very loosely and say hey we, we have AI ML running and the question I usually have at the back of my head is that hey it takes time to build data, data lake and uh, for you to I, I actually look at know the right kind of patterns and then train the machine to see how it works and then of course it picks it up from there so uh, let's say an average SaaS company you know which which just starts off um, you know in early stage uh, how much time would it take to build a data lake because these are these are words that are very loosely used so I am like very curious to know I would be a layman in asking this question, but yeah, I definitely want to know. <laughs> yeah,
1: so I'm going to break a few mental models here. Um, right. One, the core technology that Cloudera invented was a database, uh, the Tesseract DB I was speaking about earlier. Uh, that's a technology that stores fifty petabytes worth of data today. Wow. Right. So, if by the way, if you're building a data lake, etc., like you know, these are not easy attempts to build it. You can build some. You can take something off the shelf, but like you said, so data lake is not the big theme here, right? What you do with it is the important part. So everyone has data. Like, I mean, people are collecting data since the 1980s, right? Like, you know, hey, I have a database. I have a database in the back. Like, you know, I can store data on users. It's what can you do with it? I think the actionability on the data is the important bit here. So now, since we were speaking about data science or machine learning, IML, the core technology of Clevertap lets you build a model on the fly and train it on the data. And execute it, and come up with a prediction on the fly. I kid you not. So you can actually, on your own data, for example, if you were a CleverTap customer and you were on the dashboard right now, you could actually say, "Of all the users I have in my database, like it could be a hundred million users, it could be ten million, whatever. How many of them will perform a certain action by a certain date?" And you hit a button. Now this. Certain actions, certain date could be how many of them will buy a Nike shoe by the 31st of March or 31st of May, right? How many of them will uninstall my app? So it could be any action that, you know, you've specified, like, that you're recording with CleverTap and believe it or not, in less than 10 seconds, we will come back and we will give you a propensity score for every single user that you have and break them into three groups. People who are most likely to buy, people who are moderately likely to buy and people who are least likely to buy. So this is something that is very unique to us. You don't have to spend weeks and months training the model. And that's where everyone else fails, right? You know, because they spend weeks and months. And by the time they've got the perfect model, guess what? The users have moved on. The patterns of purchase have changed. Right? It 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 is summer right now in India, right? It will be like monsoon in a few months, right? So Maybe by the time you're done training your model for weeks, etc., the seasons have changed. Like, you know, people have gone away. Now you can't send them summer offers. So this is an important thing. Uh, and this is the core differentiator from a technology perspective that CleverTap offers. Right? You know, Like We make it your data actionable,
0: including machine learning and AI. Nice. Really nice. Because I was very really curious because, I mean, when I meet some of these early stage startups, uh, they get really excited about <clears throat> these these terms and they say that they're building something cool. like lately I met somebody you uh, know in in, in, a, in a college and that person is trying to build an AI model for hiring. Uh, but again, you know these 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 things take time, right so that that's why I asked this question. Great. So I'm I'm almost done, you know, with my interview with you, but I have a rapid fire, you know, round with you. So this is just to get to know you as a person. And before I get to rapid fire, I just want to know a little bit about you as a person, right? So, um, how did you get into entrepreneurship? I mean, we did have this uh, little chat right in the beginning of this, you know, podcast that um, you you have you've delved and, and 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 done a lot of different things, right? So uh, if you can just let us know, like what was your first brush with entrepreneurship and how did you land up there?
1: Yeah. So, uh, you know, um, very honestly, I was not very, I was not good in studies at all. Um, I was a middling student. Um, and when, and you have no hope of uh, being a br- like a br- academic, like you're scoring marks in academics. You start looking for other options in life. Uh, and I've, you know, I think as by nature, I've always been entrepreneurial. So I, I i have sold soap, uh, I've packaged soap and sold them from plastic bags, uh, including sealing the bags with a, you know, like a wax candle. Uh, I have, uh, I have sold modems, I have sold Netscape Navigator browser. Um, and, <laughs> and these are not even like so-called tech entrepreneurship, like these are just being entrepreneurial. But I think uh, being an entrepreneur is a state of mind, right? You even when you work in large companies, when you're part of something uh, that you did not start right you are an employee of a company you have to think uh, you know what would i do if this was my business right what is the right thing to do uh, how can i grow 10x from where i am right now and as an entrepreneur also i think exact same questions uh, i'm no way happy where we are uh, where i am right now right if you're content you, you're done really right uh, and i see people much better than me and my objective is to become better so i think one of the natural kind of uh, uh, outcomes of being an entrepreneur, and again, you don't have to start a business to be an entrepreneur. You can be an entrepreneur even when you're an employee, is to become better every day. Like, you know, how can you learn from what's going on and improve things? So, my most recent stunt, obviously, is Clever Tap, but prior to Clever Tap, I founded two businesses which had nothing to do with each other. Uh, one was a restaurant review and recommendation company called Burp, uh, which was a B2C company, and prior to that, I had never done B2C much less in India. So I just moved back in 2006 uh, from the US and I started the uh, burp And alongside, I also started a bird spike manufacturing uh, and installation company. So I would, I would manufacture bird spikes. Uh, these are the spiky things that you see on building ledges and on, on top of air conditions, etc. Uh, I was India's first manufacturer of bird spikes. Uh, And again, like I said, like being an entrepreneur does not mean being a tech entrepreneur. Like, you know, every entrepreneur that, you know, figures up. See, here is the thing I learned about entrepreneurship in my my commerce days, right? I'm a commerce graduate. Anyone that can assemble resources to run a business, that means it's people, money, and the willingness to do it is an entrepreneur. There is no scale to entrepreneurship. You can be running a 100,000 people company. You can be running a five people company. You are an entrepreneur
0: hmm wow that 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 really sums up like you know uh very interesting like selling soaps selling spikes to uh selling <laughs> tech right yeah. very very interesting journey of course learning the ropes one you no know, uh, one step at a time right so i'm going to go to my rapid fire here uh sadly i am sitting extremely far away from you in a whole different location so i can't send you a hamper i'll definitely send one you know across to you to your address but yeah
1: I'll
0: but it depends on how you answer right so you okay. gotta win it yeah that was good. okay let's so, go so the, the first question is you know is there a book that you're reading right now and a book the reading movie that you're watching something that 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 you feel is is really good like that you want to share with us
1: yes i'm reading a book uh, the book is called uh, uh the uh the, the moment of truth uh and it's written by an airline executive the president of scandinavian airlines it's uh it's not a a more modern book it's like said in the past uh i i'm not a tv guy at all but i did watch the doctor strange uh you know travel through the multiverse. Uh, Uh, movie that came out. Uh, It was purely due to family pressure. I admit to that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yep, absolutely. I I get that. Uh, The question too that I have for you is that, is there a CEO or a leader that you follow or you've been studying or, you know, you've been inspired?
1: Yeah, sorry, I can uh, go a little longer here, but I am inspired by every leader, right? Uh, uh, Most obviously, the obvious ones being uh, uh, Steve Jobs, uh, Elon Musk, uh, Jeff Bezos, uh, but also people like uh, John Chambers, like, you know, they, they ran like a, a phenomenal M&A machinery at Cisco, uh, you know, and the three leaders that I described like Bezos, uh, Elon Musk and Steve Jobs, they ran three very, very different companies by culture, by their attitude, and they had different personalities. Uh, so these ones I, I admire a lot. I do admire Indian CEOs also, uh, uh, especially uh, names like anand mahindra uh, and even uh, even mukesh ambani like you know to be honest like you know the way he's redefined his business uh, uh, what is his business like you know in the last uh, 20 30 years from being a refinery led business to like um, so from hydrocarbons to like you know data led uh, technology <laughs> is uh, is nothing short of
0: phenomenal right absolutely uh, so absolutely big admirer of those people great third quick question what's your favorite saas app
1: my favorite SaaS app is, uh, mm, let's see, I'd say Slack. Uh, Slack it's both okay. a pain and a, it's a boon and a bane <laughs> at the same time. Um, right. I wish it had an email-like interface, but, uh, you know, Slack lets me do very quick communication with everyone else. So that, I love that, actually. And of course, I also love Google uh, G Suite, as they call it, uh, uh, and Zoom. These are lifesavers. You can't run a business without these uh, couple three uh, apps.
0: Absolutely. Great. Question number four for you is how many hours of sleep do you get every night?
1: Very little is the answer. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's funny because I read a book called uh, Why Do We Sleep a few uh, weeks ago. Uh, And uh, I'm a big believer in getting uh, proper sleep, etc. But it depends on different days. I try to get uh, a minimum of seven hours of sleep. But uh, that does not happen every night, uh, to be honest.
0: Uh, I totally get it.
1: (laughs) That's why very less is the answer.
0: (laughs) the last question to you is how has pandemic changed your life like what's what's the big impact
1: yeah it is it has changed completely i would say like um, as a, you know as a son i spent time at home as a father i spent time with home as a husband i spent time with home that was a good that was a good bit uh, i used to travel like crazy prior to pandemic i actually traveled 200000 miles in 12 year 12 months uh, not counting domestic travel so this was all international it was crazy uh, the pandemic kind of put like slammed the brakes uh, and that's why i said I, I was able to spend time but you know i miss the office vibes i i don't get to hang around with you know the people i uh, enjoy working with uh, sometimes i have to get them on a zoom call uh, it's hard right because as humans we are people who make connections who who like to see other people face to face so it has changed me uh i would say um you know i hope the world comes back to normal and i see uh, you know folks back in the office but maybe i'm just giving away my age uh by saying that <laughs>
0: <laughs> great and my last question uh for you which is we are, we're done with rapid fire but this is my last question for you what's something that you wish you you really knew when you were 20 years old uh
1: you know, there is not a thing I would want to change, to be honest. I have gone through so many twists and turns in my life. Um, like when I was, I moved, I moved back to India um, after I withdraw my green card application, which was two months away from being, you know, like, mm-hmm. like no one does mm-hmm. that, right? People yep. like, it's Absolutely. Like two months like, come on, are you nuts? Like, why would you do that? Right. And I started a B2C business when there was no VC funding available in India. I started a B2B business, which, you know, people would have said, hey, second innings, You can do something in b2c because you've learned so much so i think being ignorant is a bliss and i I really mean it like in a very good way right Uh, i think life is about discovering new things if you already knew something don't you know like try to discover something newer Uh, that's the mantra i go by i don't claim to be an expert in b2b i learn a lot by reading i learn a lot by talking to other entrepreneurs by talking to my own employees uh, and I I wish to, st- things to stay like that, uh, you know, forever. Like, you know, I wish to learn and grow.
0: Awesome. That's really nice. Great. So thank you so much for your time, Anand. I mean, it's it's so like good of you to actually come show up and um, share. A uh, lot of interesting stories. I, I can remember a lot of it from the show. I mean, um, and, and for me, the personal um, takeaway, the learning that I took was more in terms of, I think what you just shared, you know, towards the end about being ignorant um, and it, it being, you know, a blessing in disguise. Uh, it's so true at times when you know things, I think you become so binary and you're looking at the variables and making decisions on the, based on the variables. Um, but I mean, but it's, you know,
1: Someone said like, you know, hey, uh, selling soap, uh, you know, at uh, the age of, uh, you know, 15 years and like a few years later, you will end up B2B. You would have never sold soap. Like, you know, you would have said, oh, you know what, I'm going to, I'm destined for this thing. Yeah. So let me build upon. That's why I said, like you know, ignorance is right. uh, in a good way. Like you know, you just
0: absolutely, absolutely, great, absolutely. Thank you so much once again, and and it was it was a pleasure talking to you. That's all for today, folks. Thank you for tuning in to the sas Universe podcast. And remember, if you're looking for non dilutive capital to help grow your business, Efficient Capital Labs is here to help with their unique approach you can receive up to 75% of your projected revenue as upfront capital and all within just three days. So don't wait. Head to www.ecaplabs.com to learn more and get started today. Thank you for listening and we'll catch you next time on the show.